Welcome to the Happy Eating Podcast. I'm Briarly. And I'm Carolyn. You may have noticed we're both dietitians, but we're not really here to talk about food. Nope. We're here to talk about mental health. Or as we prefer to call it, mental wellness. And today's episode is the who, where, when, and why of what the Happy Eating Podcast is all about. So let's give them a little background on who we are and why they should even be listening to us. So I'm Briarly. I am a registered dietitian. I'm a mom of two little girls. I am right now a freelance content creator and writer. Um, I'm an avid mental health advocate. But tell them you're big. You're a big professional. So previously, I was the food and nutrition director at Cooking Light Magazine. And before that, I was the long, long time nutrition editor at Eating Well Magazine. Pretty impressive. And I'm Carolyn Williams. I'm also a registered dietitian. I am a culinary and nutrition instructor at a local community college, as well as a journalist and content creator for a lot of online publications. And... And I have a cookbook out, Meals That Heal, and a new one coming. And then I also um, am a James Beard award-winning journalist. Yes. So like we said, we're here to talk about mental health or this great term that you've uh, coined, mental wellness. Our work is what made us realize we had an interest that we really wanted to do something with. But don't you think our professional interest really originated from our personal experiences yes with mental wellness yes absolutely so like between the two of us we've either dealt with or have had a family member Mm -hmm. um, experience anxiety depression postpartum depression and postpartum anxiety ADD ADHD pans pandas I mean, we've really touched a a lot. We've, yeah. To be just two moms. Exactly. Exactly. So we kind of realized if it's this much of mental health is affecting us, we're not the only ones. Right. Because of the nature of our profession, right, as as writers and editors, we love digging into the research. Yeah. And let me tell you, there is nothing that will make you immerse yourself in research until it affects your baby, until it affects your kid, or it affects a family member. And especially when you can't find the answers that you need from your trusted sources. And to be honest, I think that's how I got here. Three or four years ago, I needed some answers. I knew that what we were putting in our bodies was direct was having some kind of effect on the mental health aspects of either my child or myself and I dug into the research and I couldn't find what I needed and I think you know so I just had to keep going um, and find my own answers and I think that's kind of how we connected but then we also realized gosh if we are journalists and researchers by nature and we can't find these answers then we've got to share what we have found so far with other people. Yeah, yeah. And a lot of what we were looking into did, it came back to what is core to us. It came back to what we're eating and the lifestyle that we're living. And it's very natural for you and I to dive really deep into the research and find the answers that we need and want. Oh, yeah, yeah. So when we couldn't, I think that's what stumped us. And then we were like... You know, nothing like a mama on a mission. It's so true. Yeah. It is so so true. But, and we're going to 
come back to why there isn't more info out there or more resources out there that you can just go and grab off a blog or a website yes. about how food affects mental health. We're going to come back to that. Um, but first, let's talk really quick about mental health, or as I said, we like to call it mental wellness. You know, because this podcast is not exclusively for people who have a diagnosed condition. It's not for people who may have some mental health issues and may be undiagnosed. It's not even for those who feel great. It's actually for everybody. Right. It is for all of those yes, people. Yes, sorry. Yes, thank it you. It is for thank all you. those people. But it's, it's for, for all those more people. than just those It really people. is for everyone because here's what we've realized. A lot of times when you are affected by some aspect of mental health, no matter if it's very, very mild to very, very severe, I think you feel very isolated and you feel like you are so in the minority. But when you start looking at this, especially when you consider it from a mental wellness standpoint, the reality is everybody is constantly dealing, trying to, you know, has ups and downs in their mental wellness, no matter if they have a diagnosed condition or not. And I think it's really safe to say that you're more in the minority if you don't struggle with some aspect of mental health at some point in your life. It's a scary thought to think that, but it, I wholeheartedly agree. Well, I think it is a little scary, but it also makes me feel not so isolated. That is true. There are tough times. That is true. Because, and I think Especially- the more we talk about it and the more people acknowledge it, the more we realize we're all in this together and we're not a weirdo. You know, or that's because yeah. sometimes you can feel so alone and out there on an island. Well, and you can feel like you're the only one struggling and nobody understands. Yeah. Or you don't want to share because you don't want to burden somebody else. I saw this quote uh, the other day on Instagram because you know that that's where I get a lot of my social or a lot of my uh, self-help. <laughs> and it said uh, something along the lines of like, the grass looks greener until you realize that it's actually fake. <laughs> I love that. Yeah. <laughs> But it really is true. Yeah. It really is true. So clearly, like, you and I have this opinion, right, that you're in the minority if you haven't been touched in some way, shape, or yeah, form. Yeah, well, that's a good way to put it, touched. By and this, some type yeah. of mental health condition. Whether it's diagnosed or not, yeah. How about some of the statistics? Because, I mean, the ones that we were looking at even just last week were really really compelling do you want me to go through any of those yeah that I think there's one that was so shocking to me about it there was a study from the Kaiser Foundation it was talking about the top seven debilitating diseases or conditions yes will you share that one yeah so the seven most debilitating diseases in the U.S. number one according to Kaiser Family Foundation is mental health disorders and substance abuse that blows my mind yes Number two, cancer and tumors. Number three, heart and circulatory diseases. But number one is mental Mental health health. issues and substance Mm -hmm. abuse. Yeah, so mental health and substance abuse trumped cancer and tumors, heart and circulatory diseases. Wow. So then there's another site, Mental Health First Aid, where we found some more statistics. And some of them here were, like, really blew my mind. Like, I, I was... So shocked to read that depression costs our nation about $210 billion annually. Wow. And then, though, to go and read that the most common mental illness in the U.S. is actually anxiety, not depression. 
and then even down to like the to kids because you and I both know that this is not exclusive to adults. No, one in six U.S. U.S. youth aged six to seventeen experience a mental health disorder each year. That's crazy. What I think is even more shocking is another statistic on that site that said eleven years is the average delay between onset of a mental health issue symptoms symptoms of a mental health issue and actual actually getting treatment 11 years i'm going to go on the record here and say that i if there was one main goal that came out of this podcast it would be to shorten that gap for somebody i agree that's great i mean that would bring me so much joy well let's start let's what exactly is mental illness or mental health disorders you know like you tend to think of the most extreme conditions, but it really covers a huge, a vast array of conditions and issues. It really does. A lot more than what you might initially think when you think of mental health. Like when I think of mental health conditions, I think of anxiety and depression and then to, you know, bipolar, bipolar and, and yeah. schizophrenia, you know, yeah. th- those kind of conditions is, w- is what and I think of. some of the scarier ones, yeah. you know? Yeah. But, okay, would you like the official definition from the Mayo Foundation for the Medical Education and Research? I can always count on you for a good definition, <laughs> so yes, please. <laughs> okay, the definition of mental illness, also called mental health disorders, refers to a wide range of mental health conditions Disorders that affect your mood, thinking, and behavior. Examples of mental illness include depression, anxiety orders, schizophrenia, eating disorders, and addictive behaviors, and include things such as ADD, ADHD, even autism is included in the list. Yeah. So it, it's, and this is not a comprehensive list. I mean, this is not a full, the things we've just listed are not the complete Correct. list, but this just shows you the gamut of of what all mental health includes. And yeah. so now let's go back to that and you know, then you got to think no matter if, even if it's very very mild, almost everyone somehow is impacted at some you know, moment in their life. Yes, by one of these. Maybe yes. not directly themselves, but someone they love. Yes. And I, and I think that, you know, COVID has amplified that for people and it's also made it a a more acceptable topic of conversation. You know, if there's one silver lining or or one positive thing to come out of 2020, I would say COVID really helped with the stigma that's associated with mental health. 2020 made it okay to say I'm not okay. Right. And people actually started talking about it, which is huge. Huge. Yeah, because really the reason, I think largely it's the stigma around mental health. That's why this isn't talked about. And but also, we're really behind from a medical perspective in talking about mental health as well. Yes, that's true. And and even in how mental health services are covered and not covered. Oh, don't get me started on that. I know. I know. <laughs> but even from a medical perspective of, let's take, you know, diabetes, which I would have thought that might have been the number one debilitating disease. Right. But diabetes or heart disease. We know, and I think it's widely accepted by most everybody, that direct diet has a direct impact on those conditions and your risk, right? And it's well accepted. But we are just now beginning to consider that what we eat, our diet, may impact our brain and mental health. And honestly, I feel like 
this should have been talked about like 40 or 50 years ago, or the discussion really should have started. And it's just now gaining a lot of steam in the past probably decade, five to 10 years. And my perspective might be a little clouded because I do have a history of depression and anxiety. Mm -hmm. But how often when you go to see your PCP, right, or or really any of your, you know, medical doctors, you're there either for a checkup or you're there to get something looked at. And it's common, as, let's go back to the PCP, like it's common for you to get your blood drawn to get, look at your blood sugar. Cholesterol, and yeah. Look at your cholesterol. And like, so you're talking about all of these other conditions. How often do they actually ask you about your mental health? And I'm not trying to rag on PCPs. That, that is not my goal. They, they are amazing humans. Yeah. But Well, it's because we haven't considered mental health as a real part of overall health. True. And that's kind of a product of Western medicine. But I feel like, you know, the brain is part of the body. We, we're forgetting that. Yeah. And so if food can affect the circulatory system, you know, everything else in the body, right. then why, why didn't we consider long ago that food can affect your brain right. and how you think and feel? Right. You know? Yes. Yeah. And your overall mental wellness. Yeah. And so I'm not, I'm not being, um, I'm not trying to, to down doctors or anything. Um, I don't know if you know this, but I briefly went to medical school before I realized that was not much recalling. Um, but I, I did get immersed in the curriculum briefly. Um, and there's really, there was like a one hour seminar on diet. So I don't think to doctor's credit, most of them, unless they, you know, unless that institution puts an emphasis on food, nutrition, and even mental health, I, it may not be you know, a core, a core aspect that's put a lot of focus on or how to treat people, how to approach it as part of the whole, right, whole health, right, approach. Correct. Totally agree. But also we do go in there and we talk about all of these other risk factors for these other conditions, yet we don't necessarily even touch on oh, the yeah. core I risk see what factors you're that and you feel guilty to mental health yes. conditions. And you feel like like I'm fine to say my blood pressure's a little high or whatever it is, or you're almost ashamed to say, I've been feeling really down. Yeah. Yeah. To your doctor. Yeah. You and I've talked about this a lot. I hate the term mental illness. Yeah, I mean there's there's a stigma. We there's know a stigma I mean to that. That's not news breaking for us to say that. There's a stigma to it. And perhaps that's part of the reason why we don't like to talk about it with our you know, with yeah. our PCPs, but, but you know what, the other reason I don't like it, <laughs> do tell, I know you're going to tell me, <laughs> just tell me, I take medication, and I sure don't consider myself mentally ill, no, well, because I don't, I don't consider Ill. anybody who takes medication mentally ill, you're, you're just being healthy, well, and ill is, well, because you can take medication to prevent being ill, right, and you can take medication to maintain your health as it is. Ill, like ill and illness is... It seems like something's wrong with you. Yeah, well... Like you've got the plague like, or something. It, yeah, it's like you got to be on the couch for a day, right? Yeah. You know what I mean? Like COVID. Yeah. That's an illness. Well, what was so interesting to me is when you and I talked a while back about your postpartum depression. And if you don't mind me sharing, you said... It. You were so ashamed you did not mention to anybody that you had it and that you had recovered from it until two years later. Is that right? No, even longer. Oh. That was anxiety. For, for my postpartum depression, I didn't come out and talk about it publicly for like four, 
because you were ashamed oh yeah like crazy but you wouldn't have thought twice like let's say you had gotten diagnosed with multiple sclerosis or cancer no you know you wouldn't have been ashamed to share that no that's what's crazy yeah not with you just with our stigma the stigma around it in general well absolutely and you know and there were a couple things that played into it for me um you know, one was the stage of life mm-hmm. um, after my daughter was born. And then the other was, you know, I think that the people that I did share it with weren't the type of people who talk publicly about any type of, you know, illness anyway. So that didn't help. And then when I went to go get life insurance, I, you know, got dropped down in the rankings because I had postpartum depression. Um. And so it was like that, you know, it was like this combination of things let's say I finally came around and I, you know, and I started to open up and I realized how much it helps people when Mm -hmm. you share your own experiences. Because again, it goes back to ending stigma. But back to your whole point about mental illness, nobody wants to be ill. And I think that's why we mentioned the term mental wellness earlier. That's why we kind of have landed on mental wellness. And that, that's what we want the focus of this podcast to be. How to, improve and maintain your mental wellness because we are all in some capacity dealing with ups and downs in our mental wellness yes everyone is yes and you know so there can't be any stigma if everyone has it if everyone's dealing with it yes and And wellness feels like there's like a scale right oh yeah you know like that good better best yeah like that that's wellness there's no bad in that scale well and we're not saying that there are some very debilitating severe conditions on that scale yes let's not that are much much harder to deal with than some milder ones so we are not we're not overlooking that but I think if we just refer to mental health in general as mental wellness and we're all no matter where where our starting place is we're all looking to improve or maintain our mental wellness yes that's true exactly exactly whether you have a diagnosed condition or you don't Who does not want to improve their mental wellness? We're going to talk all about mental wellness and in particular how food and how lifestyle and nutrients and all those different things affect your mental wellness. So you want to kind of rattle off the list of the topics we're going to cover? Yes. Kind of give right. people a teaser? So our series, um, this podcast series, we're going to start in our next episode with how gut health affects your brain and your mental wellness and what you can do about it. Yep. Then we're going to cover what to actually eat. Yeah. What to eat, what not to eat, or maybe minimize. What supplements should you take? Where should you be spending your money? How should you be spending your money? What do you and I take or not take? Where should you not spend your money? Exactly. Uh, How your immune health is connected to mental wellness. We're going to tackle intermittent fasting, which we both have a secret passion for. CBD and how it may be beneficial. How everyday things like caffeine, alcohol, sleep may impact your mental wellness. And y'all, let me also say really quick, jump in. We're not going to tell anybody, unless it's something that is devastating to their health, we are not going to tell them that, like, you can never have any more caffeine or you can never have any more alcohol. Because that's not something we're going to do. Correct. But we are going to look at, explore how those things may affect it and then give you some parameters and then tell you what we're actually doing. 
I mean, we're in the South here. So, so <laughs> as another example, like we might encourage you to eat some more blueberries and um, blackberries and raspberries or, you know, some leafy greens. We are also not going to tell you that you can't have your fried chicken and that you need to eliminate biscuits from your diet in entirety. <laughs> it's not happening. Maybe just minimize them. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. For sure. Moderation. I think what we're saying, we are not, and you may have already gathered this, we we may know a lot of the science, but we are both very quick, and this is why I like working with you, Barley. We are both very quick to say we are not perfect eaters no. by any means. No. Um, and it's it's more balance. And I think we found more value and it being a lot more fun when you say, hey, this is what we try to do. This is what we actually get done in a day. And we're not perfect like you. We're struggling too. And here's what works and here's what doesn't. Yeah. Well, and to say like, this is how I do it. And so maybe that works for you. And this is how you do it. And maybe that works for me. Or maybe just forget about that. Yeah. All together. You know, I I have a big secret coming up in a few episodes of there's a really, most people might call it a superfood that I do not eat at all. But anyway, so we're and we're going to tell more of our personal stories. You know, we kind of gave you a list of the things that we've experienced either personally or through our kids or immediate family members. We're going to delve more into those. What we really want to do at the end of every single episode, though, is leave you with very specific things you can do and what we're doing. Yes, that's going to be our mom truth moment. Yeah, yeah. Maybe what we what we'd like to do every day, and then maybe what we actually do. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, or as you've said before, like if it's a really crazy day, this is where this is the first thing that gets dropped off the list. Exactly. How we yeah. prioritize. Exactly. When it's crazy. But also we want to know what you want to know. Mental wellness is something we're all dealing with. Yes. Absolutely. And you know, you always say we don't know what we don't know, right? Yes. Isn't that how you say it? I think I do. Yeah. We don't we don't know we what don't we don't know. We don't know what we don't know. Right. And so we don't know what our... Sense? It does. <laughs> but we don't know what our listeners don't know. And we yes. don't know then what they want to know. Yes. I don't know that there's any more W's that I can handle in a day. But anyway, so that is why we want to know what yeah. you are interested in having us cover. Because I guarantee you we have probably looked into it. Um, yes. Because, you know, again, we got here because we couldn't find those resources we needed. And sometimes the topics that we get into is is purely out of, like, just general interest of our, like, our own personal interests. Sorry, that wasn't very clear. But we get it. So, for example, like, we have an episode coming up where we cover intermittent fasting. And does that have you know any effect any on, effect yeah. on our mental wellness well you and I are both interested in intermittent fasting but we didn't know if it had any impact on our mental wellness and so yeah. we decided to look into it and hey guess what it became an episode why could we not find info why did we have to become feel like we had to become the source exactly <laughs> for your information you know we mentioned there's the stigma aspect and we mentioned that you know really from a research perspective research is just now really diving into the impact that nutrients and food have on the brain and how that affects how we think and feel. But there's two other reasons, too, why it's really hard to find information. And one is, we kind of touched on this, but this really isn't an area where most dietitians are very knowledgeable, but not necessarily just dietitians, just health professionals in general. None of us, health professionals in general, I mean, got much training on this. No. But you would... I would expect, even not as a dietitian, that somebody who has a degree in 
nutrition and food science and dietetics a phd right yes would would have i don't blame some yeah. knowledge on the topic but you of know what the connection between what you eat and your brain health and your mental health exactly i don't know about you but we were in school like 20 years ago we didn't even touch own Why oh did you sorry have to say 20 years ago <laughs> i mean it's true but well that wasn't that long ago we didn't even touch there was nothing in our textbooks even about how food and nutrients affected how we would feel, like from a mental health perspective. No. The only thing we talked about when it, in terms of brain health and food was when we got to like cardiovascular disease and individuals who maybe had had strokes and now had swallow, swallowing difficulties. Yes. Um, or other aspects, other conditions as well that may affect swallowing. Right, and just like inability they had to, had like a tumor removed yeah. in, you know, or throat we, cancer or something. We talked about what type of pureed or softened diet to feed them. That was the right. extent of the food-brain connection. And there were various levels of the... Oh, there's lots of different pureed, pureed consistencies. Yes. Chopped and you know, mm-hmm, clear liquids. Yeah. yeah. Thickened liquids. So it's it's not one where dietitians are trained in. They are getting a little more, um, I think, because there's been a lot of research in the past 10 years on Alzheimer, Alzheimer's, if I can say it right, and food and its impact. But that's new. It is new. Um, but and it's different. It's different mm-hmm. in the sense that when you look at the research, it's looking at you know, measures of cognitive decline and memory. And that is all relative. But then when you look at the research that looks at diet and mental health, you're looking at like depression scale. And you're looking at like self-reports of anxiety and happiness and mood. It's harder to measure. Yeah. And so it is harder to measure, but it's also different what what the measurements are than Alzheimer's. There's another reason too. And I think this is probably really why we felt the need to get involved. Yes. <laughs> this is our favorite space. Well, there's a lot of stuff out there. And what I found as a mom, when I started digging through things and needed answers, I found two extremes. I found super heavy, dense research and books on brain health and neurotransmitters and brain functioning. And I love, usually love, not love, but I'm intrigued by that kind of research and stuff. This was heavy for me. I, I just had, I'd have to put it down at times. And it wasn't, and then I was having to synthesize it and kind of think through it and figure out my own answers. So there was that extreme. And then the other extreme was like mass media and not necessarily from credible sources. Right kind of or quick answers where no suggestions that didn't have a lot of basis when you started digging yes yes like a small study here a small study there yeah and potentially pertinent yeah but I think for people that don't know Briarly and I write for a lot of different publications and I think what we pride ourselves on mass media publications so we're not dogging those at all those are our bread and butter but what we very much pride ourselves on is if you read any of our articles, it is very much going to be science-based. Yes. And if we tell you something, you can assume it, it's a well-accepted fact. Or I'm very comfortable in saying, hey, look, this is a really, this is promising. This is a small study. Yeah. Like, yeah. Um, I actually feel like it's become more and more acceptable. Like, I, I always, I feel like you and I have always liked to kind of give that qualifier. But now, in a way... 
the way that some of the media outlets are changing, it's become even more acceptable to just say like, this looks really cool, but this is a small study. Yeah. And that's something that we are absolutely going to be doing here. Yeah. Well, and I'm not afraid to say this is really interesting findings. This is really promising. But the bottom line is we just don't know enough. We don't know. Yeah. Please don't make a major change as a result of this. Well, and I think that's where we're getting at. There were these two extremes, this stuff you really couldn't trust that really didn't have much scientific basis. And then this uber heavy, dense stuff that was even hard for us to get through. There was nothing in the middle. I just, as a mom, I wanted a book that I could go to that said, okay, give your child this, up this nutrient. Don't do this. Get them a certain amount of sunlight. Or I mean, I just wanted that manual. And so, and I think that's what you found with your postpartum stuff. And we just had to figure it out on our own. The thing about my postpartum experience was that I remember very clearly I went to my OBGYN for a follow-up. My mom had said to me, hey, you really need to tell your doctor what's going on Mm -hmm. with you emotionally. So I told her. She handed me a script. I left the appointment. Two days later, I take my daughter to a pediatrician appointment, her checkup, and he asks me how I'm doing. I tell him. I think I probably cried in the office because I was crying all the time. And he said, well, and I told him how, like, I got a script. And, and he said, well, did, did she recommend somebody for you to go and talk to, like, to do some talk therapy? And I just kind of looked at him, and I was like, no. But, but I would really love that. And so he wrote down two names, and he's like, this would be my first choice. She specializes in postpartum. I don't know if she can take you, though. She might be full up. And here's another one. Try this person, if not. So the fact that, like, first line of defense was medication, which I totally love. Second line of defense was talk therapy. Also totally love. Okay, I'm a dietitian. Nobody ever asked me what I was doing. Like, was I – obviously, I just had a baby, so I wasn't exercising. But, like, what are you eating? What are you drinking? What are you doing lifestyle-wise? Yeah. I kind of just got myself lost on a little bit of a tangent here. But there are – there's so – such a dearth of – recommendations out yeah. there uh, I to go back though it gave me chills when you when you said your doctor said would you like to talk to somebody and you were like yes because I know that feeling that you probably had and I think and we've also talked about this like I've suffered from depression and anxiety and when it pops and it'll pop up every now and then again and I never recognize it in myself you know, life gets kind of frustrating and, you know, but I don't directly recognize it. It is always my mother who very nicely says, are you feeling okay? Because you don't seem like yourself. You know, why don't you go see the doctor, you know? And then, but it's always such a weight. It's kind of like the doctor saying that to you. Why don't you go talk to somebody? Because when she says that now, I'm like, oh yeah, I'm not feeling good mentally like I should like I know I can be and it's for some reason like such a weight off but it takes someone kind of calling me out if you will or saying you just don't seem like yourself I don't know why it's you know it's we talk about the symptoms and it feels like they'd be so clear-cut to recognize especially when you've dealt with it before yeah um but it's not and it's it is such a weight off when somebody kind of waves a flag and is like here let me help or yeah. I think as parents, and I was going to say mothers, but I don't think it's ex- exclusive to mothers. I think when you become a parent in some way, you adopt this, you know, role of also being a martyr. 
Oh, yeah. And so you you might know that something doesn't feel right, but you're not necessarily motivated to do that self-care until somebody else kind of validates where you're at and then and then you're inspired. Well, and partly, you know, we're both single moms. You can't just stop because you feel bad. Oh, no. You got to keep going. So no. I don't know about you, but I rarely have downtime for me to stop there and think, huh, how am I feeling? You know, what am I, you know, I need to do more to keep take care of myself. Well, because it's when oh, my yeah. children go with their dad. Yeah. And I'm just. But then you're catching up on everything. Correct. Correct. Then but I'm anyway, catching up yes. on all the things. But yes, but, but that, that's my, there's nobody to pass off. Like if I'm having a bad day or. You do get so busy that it's easier to brush those feelings off of, I'm not quite myself just because you don't have the time to deal with it. And that's so not true. healthy. So true. Also so true. All of that, I think our frustrations as moms, along with our work, made us realize that we so want to share what we have learned so far. What has been what is beneficial, what could have potential, what we haven't had seen benefits from. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, I think you and I can both say there are some very specific nutrients or foods or things that we are doing I can say omega-3s for one is one that I see a marked difference in in my ADHD son. Yes. And, you know, I want to share that because, like I said, I couldn't find that manual that told me what to do. (laughs) Exactly. And the thing, and I don't think that we really have covered this for listeners yet, and, and it's not something that you can just say and they'll understand, like, come back and listen and you'll start to really get that this is what we're about or go read our articles, but that we've, you know, we've written for other outlets. The biggest thing about you and me is that we really love to dive into the science. We take, it it actually, like, it makes us happy and it inspires us professionally. Mm -hmm. But we both have those days where we just give it, give us the advice. Don't ramble on and on, cut right to the chase. And so one of the big goals for us here is to do exactly that. (laughs) Exactly. Give the cliff notes. Like, Yes, sure, we're going to cover maybe a study here and maybe a study there. But when we talk about gut health, we're not going to go through five different studies. Guess what? We read 10. Because we know y'all need the cliff notes. Because honestly, that, I'm so glad you said that. That is what I needed. When I wanted help finding um, the research that I was looking in, I really wanted just the cliff notes from a reputable, trusted source. And I think that's a perfect way of saying that's what we hope we can be for people because we know y'all don't have time for the science or don't don't have an interest like we do well and you know I've read some stuff that and this this makes sense it was a little different for me just because of the nature of my work but that when you are struggling with your mental wellness Mm -hmm. you're not motivated to cook a healthy meal or you're not motivated to try something different or what if it requires ordering some you know, new drink or going to a different grocery store than you normally do. Like, you're just trying to survive. You don't have it in you to do that. And we're not saying that you need to now, but at least we want to, like, make it really easy for you to potentially add something that could be helpful if you want to. Plant some little baby steps of things that are, you might consider incorporating that could maybe slowly help you feel better. So you you know, yeah, can or make further progress. Something that you did yesterday that you didn't know was helpful, and then today you're going to learn it was, and yes. now you might be inspired to do it again tomorrow. Yes. Like, 
I learned I need to get a good night of sleep because I did not get a good one last night. <laughs> and that is affecting my food choices today and my my mental outlook and my parenting and everything. Yes. <laughs> I I wholeheartedly agree. You and I have also talked extensively about my need for physical activity. Yeah. Or I am just a very Oh, and you know what? Add to the list, human. the outdoors. That's because right. Because I'll just give a brief snippet. I'm not an outdoors girl. No. But gosh. Now you are. In well, a different kind way. Of. <laughs> I'm a city girl outside working on my laptop. It made such a marked difference in my mental health and my outlook and my patience parenting during the pandemic when I was trapped at home. Yeah. It was so powerful. Yes. But, and now you are completely redoing your yeah. backyard. Yeah. Like, I'm not going camping, but I'm redoing my backyard. Right. But that, that still counts. <laughs> you still get all the benefits. Yeah. Yeah, but we will also get into some lifestyle stuff yeah. and why that is. Yeah. yeah, let's wrap this up. And like you mentioned, we are going to share with them really quick at the end of every episode a few what we're calling mom truths. Yes. And since we didn't have, this is kind of just an overview of the Happy Eating Podcast. Yep. Most of the time we'll have a very specific topic. Next week we're talking about gut health. Um, but this week, since we don't have a specific topic, we're going to talk about, we're just going to give you three things that each of us has implemented because of 2020 to maintain our mental health or to promote our mental wellness. Yeah. because That when, has made a difference. Because when we first started talking about a collaboration, yeah, it was very early in COVID. Oh, yeah. I think it was like May or June. It when, was through a Zoom. Yep. And because we were trapped at home. With our kids. With our kids. And you said, let's chat. And I said, great. And you said, let's do a Zoom. And I was like, double great. We can see each other. Adults. And, you know, 2020 was a real, I mean, for everybody, it was a, it was a year. And we called our call. We're going to, we said we were talking about business, but I think honestly, like, let's be honest. We just needed some adult interaction. Oh, yeah. The only thing that was missing I don't know was what we were we talking about. We didn't have a gender or anything. We should have had a glass of wine together. Uh, yeah. Like, and now I know that you like a glass of red wine as much as I like a glass <laughs> of red wine, so we should have done that. Yes. Okay. Anyway. All right. So what are you doing or what have you been, what have you implemented since COVID that you feel like has made a big difference? Well, the outdoors, I started, and I'm going to be honest, I started going outside in the afternoons on the patio to work on my laptop, partly to get away from my kids. Because, yes. you know, remember, think back to last May or June. You're under one roof all day long. All day long. So I was going outside, sneaking outside to the back patio. (laughs) Well, and you and I (laughs) don't have another adult that could could offset anything. Like, literally, all you and I had was speaking to our children in person or speaking to an adult on the phone. Yeah. Yeah. So I was out there, and I just started working at trying to get outside several hours a day working on my laptop. And I started to notice this difference. And where I really noticed the difference was on the days when I didn't go outside to work or I, and I didn't happen to get outside for exercise, but particularly those afternoons where I didn't sit outside to work. And the difference was not pretty. On those days I didn't get outside, I, had my, I did not have the rosiest mental outlook on life in general. Um, and my patience and my parenting approach was not the best. And I noticed on the days I did get outside, I, I was able to tackle life a lot better. I was more likely to contact friends on the phone or Zoom and get some social, you know, engagement, which is, makes such a difference. And then my patience with my kids and just my energy just in the overall parenting, you know, 
made such a difference. And it was so pronounced that I couldn't deny it. <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> so, you know, we'll, we'll talk more about the, the benefits of being outside. But the big thing is I realized I get benefits from being outside and it's not just the vitamin D and I don't have to exercise next necessarily to right. get these outdoor benefits. Anyway, so that exercise has been huge for me. You know, let's be honest. We probably worked out in our 20s and even most of our 30s or me, you know, to maintain weight, to maintain your figure or whatever. Exercise has totally changed for me. It is truly to, for my mental health. Yeah. I think better. I think clearer. My outlook is better. And COVID made that even more pronounced, the effects of that. And then um, probably my other one is there are several supplements. I've never been a supplement person, but there are several supplements that no one goes a day without taking in my house. Now, <laughs> you're going to tell my secret. You know, Briley has come to my house, and if you open a random drawer, you will occasionally find some old pills, vitamins, supplements, because my kids think I'm a crazy, like, vitamin lady now. But there are two, omega-3s and vitamin D, that, oh my gosh, if people go a couple of days without them, is not a pretty place. And, well, we're going to get into those, and why, and... So what about you? But we were on a call the other day, and you opened a drawer looking for something. I don't know what it was. And you, oh, my gosh. And you, like, take the computer and sh showed me. And there was just a couple little pills hiding in a drawer. They're everywhere. Mm -hmm. Underneath the hot pads in my sink. Yeah. They're everywhere. Yeah. Okay, what am I doing? So, I mean, it sounds redundant, but physical activity. I mean, I knew that that was going to be a problem for me when COVID hit, when gym shut down. And I'm not, you know, I do enjoy, you know, exercising outside. But, um, you know, like the studios that I went to were all closed. My kids are a little younger than yours. Oh, yeah. So for me to get exercise, I have to oh, do it in my house yeah. or I have to take them with me. Yeah. Um, so that made it even more pronounced because it was like, even if I just tried to get 20 minutes in, I mean, they're mommy, this mommy, that even you know, it, it. So, but exercise, I really made a point to carve out time, even when it felt like it was just going to be an exercise yeah. in futility that to actually do it, to get some activity in. And, um, you know, then as, as things like tennis courts and stuff started to open back up, I got into tennis and walking the dogs and getting, you know, just getting out as much as I could. And so, I mean, there were times where I, I mean, you and I have talked about this, where I was working out twice a day and not because I was in some like crazy got to yeah. exercise and get fit. It was more like I just needed the, the mental benefits, the mental benefits yeah, of You it. can't beat those endorphins. You really can't. The other thing uh, kind of along the lines of exercise is getting my kids out. Like I taught my five-year-old how to ride a two-wheeler, which was probably like, the biggest highlight maybe of COVID. Um, Wait, so you're saying you went from a tricycle to a bicycle? Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm -hmm. See, a two-wheeler makes me think of something like in the country. Oh, no. <laughs> like we took off the training wheels. I, yeah, yeah. I'm following you bicycle. Bicycle. a two-wheeler. Yeah. Like, oh, that's a fancy name for a bicycle, I think. But then, <laughs> she, you know, she picked it up pretty, you know, pretty quickly. Oh, She's, that's such a freeing, like, you feel it was, so independent and so free great. learning to do that. Yeah. But then I could get them out on their bikes and I could like walk slash run behind yeah. them depending on where we were. Game changer. And so that was huge because then we're getting everybody out of the house. And let me tell you, when I got them out of the house, especially like in the mm. late afternoon before dinner, 
I was able to make dinner without pulling hair, fighting over Barbies, you know, all of that. So that was the second thing was getting the girls outside. Mm -hmm. So the other thing I do is I started to add a cup of coffee in the afternoon to my like daily regimen. Now I can guarantee you people were not expecting a dietitian to say that. No, they probably thought I would say I "I cut out all caffeine. I'm a caffeine lover. I'm a coffee lover actually. And you know, I I really started noticing that like what I considered my anxiety symptoms were really ticking up in the afternoon, mm. like two or three o'clock, and it was hard for me to manage. Um, it was also hard because I was trying to work, and oh yeah, so my day was getting like really cut short. Anyway, I was talking to my therapist about it, and she said, "Well, you drink coffee in the morning, right?" And I said, "Yes." And she said, "Well, how much do you drink?" And I said. You know, it depends on the day, like two to three cups. And at that point, and even now, like because I was home with, you know, because of COVID, like I kept going back to the coffee pot, right? You know, brewing a little bit more. She said, try having a cup of, when those symptoms start to kick in, she said, try having a cup of coffee. Just one, not a lot. Make sure it's caffeinated. Hmm. She said, you're probably self-medicating yourself in the morning and it's wearing itself off by early afternoon and so that's what's it's it's what you're covering up in the morning that's percolating and she said so try it out she said it's not for everybody it might make your symptoms worse so she said yourself so you didn't know it but subconsciously you were drinking the caffeine to wake up and that was helping your anxiety in the morning and it was wearing off in the afternoon yes fascinating yes and so she said try it see what happens pay close attention though because you could actually be making your symptoms worse because caffeine can amplify yeah. the symptoms, not suppress them. For me, it happens to suppress them. Anyway, so I did it. Totally works. Now, in the afternoon, caffeine also affects my sleep. Yeah. So I can't go, you know. You do it early afternoon. I have to do it early afternoon and, it, like, really cap myself at one cup or, like, one espresso shot. If it's 4 o'clock and I'm struggling with those, I'm like, you know what, I just I have to keep – I have to push through and just cut my day short. Because otherwise, if I do yeah. it then, I'm not going to sleep. Yeah. I once talked to a sleep doctor, a sleep specialist, and he said he tried to advise his patients not to have caffeine after 12 or 1 o'clock because you don't realize it's, it has a half-life that stays in your body for about 12 hours. So, yeah. I, But I think what you're – like, just stop. Don't go past, like, 3 o'clock. Right. You know? And for some people, it's earlier. Yeah. You know, I've definitely talked to people who have that experience, who who feel the effects of caffeine if they do drink it at noon. Yeah. And you just kind of have to, you have to do a little self-experimentation. Yeah. But it has totally, totally worked for me. Interesting. And I will also say that I'm now at the point in this, you know, new world order where I don't have to have it in the afternoon anymore. Yeah. And that's also been enlightening too because at first I was like, oh my gosh, I'm really going to ratchet up my caffeine intake and then I'm going to be forever dependent You're on getting four even more anxious of, <laughs> of coffee a day. I was. I was getting more more anxious about it because sometimes I'm like, well, once I start, I won't be able to stop. And so now it's starting to regulate yeah. Well, you again. can also have to be very careful because you can get in a unhealthy cycle of having this, this caffeine and then you get to the end of the day and you need something to bring you down and it's easy to turn to like a glass of wine. And, you know, that's... That's not good either, you know? Right. Well, I mean, I'm naturally going to enjoy a glass of wine <laughs> while I'm preparing dinner. But, it, y- yes, it can spiral into yeah. be the ups and the downs. And then what's that doing to your sleep? Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know where I thought you were going with the coffee? And, and this could be tied into it. 
Um, a little bit, but this is something that I hope later down the road we get to explore, but the whole connection between mental health and ADD and ADHD. Yes. So fascinating to me, particularly in females. Um, so yes. yeah, that's hopefully, hopefully y'all stick around and like us and feel that the advice we give you is valuable. And I may then be able to share my story about how I took my child for ADHD testing and they said, she's great, but have you ever been tested? <laughs> That is the best And my journey from that point on. Yes. <laughs> we are absolutely going to share that story. Because okay. I could hear that story 10 times and never tire of it. It's a good one. Thank you so much for joining us for the Happy Eating Podcast. I'm Briarly Horton. And I'm Carolyn Williams. If you liked this week's episode, then don't forget to rate and leave us a review on iTunes. And be sure to hit the subscribe button so you'll never miss a new episode. Follow me on Instagram at Briarly Horton. That's B-R-I-E-R-L-E-Y-H-O-R-T-O-N. And you can follow me at Real Food, Real Life underscore RD. We'll have that information down below in the show notes. So don't forget to follow us. See you next week. Bye. Bye. The contents discussed in the Happy Eating Podcast, such as advice, studies, text, graphics, images, and other material discussed or presented on the site or podcast are for informational purposes only. Content is not intended to be a substitute for medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your mental health professional or other qualified health providers with any questions you may have regarding your condition. Never disregard professional advice or delay in seeking it because of something you have heard on the Happy Eating Podcast. If you are in crisis or think you may have an emergency, call your doctor or 911 immediately. If you're having suicidal thoughts, call 1-800-273-TALK, that's 8255, to talk to a skilled, trained counselor at the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline. If you are located outside the United States, call your local emergency line immediately.